This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. And in celebration of Father's Day, we are connecting this episode with the episode we did for Mother's Day on single moms. And so today we want to talk to you about single dads because we can't leave out that very important portion of the population. So we want to celebrate dads. And today we're looking at those of you who are going it alone. Yeah, and it's a good time to be talking about single dads, not just because Father's Day was yesterday, but because single dads are on the rise and they're making a lot of headlines. For instance, in July 2013, the Pew Research Center reported that a record 8% of households with minor children in the U.S. are now headed by a single father, which is up from just over 1%. In 1960. Yeah, and Pew talks about how that's a ninefold increase since 1960, from less than 300,000 to more than 2.6 million in 2011. And for a comparison, the number of single mother households increased more than just fourfold during that time period, up to 8.6 million in 2011 from 1.9 million in 1960. And single dads have also increased as a percentage of all single parents. In 1960, about 14% of single parent households were headed by dads. Today, that's almost one quarter, 24%. And then for another percent, in 2011, single dads made up 18.3% of custodial parents, which is when a person has full-time solo custody of the kids. And this isn't just a demographic change happening in the U.S. Our Canadian neighbors as well are also seeing the rise of single dads. Uh, according to the 2011 Canadian census, there was an 8% jump in the number of single parent homes. And of those, you have a 16.2% increase in single dad led households in 2011, which outpaced the former increase of 14% from 2001 to 2006. So that is a lot of percents to say that we have been on a steady climb in the number of single dad-led households. Yeah, and, you know, if you listen to our single mom episode, which I... I know you did. I hope so. But there are a lot of factors going into the rise in single dads that also accompany the rise in single moms. For instance, in general, there's just been an increase in the share of non-marital births in general. And so that's why it's important 
when we mentioned the custodial parents earlier, because there are a lot of different types, as we'll explain further in a minute, there are a lot of different types of single parents. It's not just people who have solo custody. There's also people who are divorced or widowed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and to get an idea of how that share of the non-marital births, as they're called so clinically, has increased, um, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 40.7% of all U.S. births now in the United States are to unmarried women. But again, even though those women are unmarried, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have a partner mm-hmm. or, you know, like we said, there are many different types of single parents. Right. And speaking of divorce, the rates have leveled off, but they're still higher than they were in the 1960s and 70s, which means more single parents. And there's also issues around the legal system. Some experts suggest that changes in the legal system and laws in various states have led to more opportunities for fathers to gain at least partial custody of children in the event of a breakup. A lot of that has to do with the way that we perceive fathers in general and the way we perceive single fathers in particular, but also the way that they see themselves. Right. The public perception of single fatherhood and simply the role of a dad in a family and and his role with child rearing has evolved so much, particularly in the past 40 or 50 years, because, you know, we've seen these household and gender roles for men shifting since the 1960s away from that idea that that, you know, dads just go to work and they bring home the bacon and that's kind of it. Whereas mom takes care of the kids. And so on, for instance, Mad Men, not to completely fictionalize this conversation, but, you know, Don Draper gets a divorce from Betty. Spoiler alert. And the kids live with Betty and then they come every now and then to visit him because back then it was more of the idea that, you know, a full time single dad, that would be kind of nutty. Yeah, that would be nutty. But now now we're not so opposed to the idea the the idea that guys might be single dads and or get sole custody in the event of a, a divorce doesn't seem totally alien. And it's it's funny, though, to go back and look at just the histrionics that surrounded men being the caregivers for children. Uh, the Atlantic had a great post looking at postcards that were going around targeting men, fathers in particular, during the suffrage movement. There was no gray area. It was like a zero-sum game where either the man was at home and he was making the money and he was in control and the wife was home taking care of the kids, or, as they feared would happen if women gained the vote, the women would put on pants and march right out of the home and start working and the men would be left to tend to the children. Yeah, one of the, the tropes from that time was something called the suffragette Madonna, and it's this hilarious image of this befuddled guy, this dad looking character holding a baby and he's, you know, he's in like a suit, but he also has a halo around his head because, oh, well, his wife won the right to vote. So now he's got to be home taking care of the baby. And that was at that time such a radical idea in terms of, you know, the gender roles then that it was, I mean, it, it was one of the major platforms arguing against giving women the vote because, well, if you do that, slippery slope to men having to be involved fathers. 
Yeah, and I know who wants who wants that. <laughs> Fathers. Anyway, so like we said, now the public is really starting to acknowledge men as more than just breadwinners. They're also caregivers too. And the New York Times did a piece on single dads by choice. We all, you know, we talked about single moms by choice in our last episode. But talking about how these guys nowadays who are becoming dads, their new dads, come from the generations who really believed in feminism, preached equal rights and civil rights. And so they grew up believing in gender equality. And uh, they talked to David Clow, who's a psychotherapist who runs men's groups at the Family Institute at Northwestern University. And he said there's a new sense of masculinity that incorporates being a single father, accomplished and successful in the business world, but also very loving and caring. Yeah, and if you look at time use data, you see that even today... Yes, moms tend to spend, even whether they're working or if they're, you know, full-time stay-at-home moms, no matter what the situation is, women tend to spend more time caring for the kids, but fathers are spending more time with their children than ever before. So, for instance, uh, the Pew Research Center found that in 2011, dads were spending seven hours a week on childcare and 10 hours a week on housework, which is half of what mothers do, but... That's still a huge leap from 1965 when dads did only two and a half hours a week of childcare and four hours of housework. Yeah. And I mean, people kind of fully expect that now. They expect more from their, from their, from their dads. I mean, society does. Uh, more from the Pew Research Center. They found that the public believes that a father's greatest role is to provide values to his children, followed by emotional support discipline and income support, which really isn't that far off from what the values that they ascribe to mothers, women needing to do. Yeah. And speaking of madmen, you can see this kind of shift, too, in our public perception of the, the important role of fathers with their kids in how dads are portrayed in advertising. Um, there was a now somewhat infamous uh, Huggies diaper campaign a few years back that portrayed dads having to change a diaper as like the ultimate test of these diapers, like amazing qualities, because if a dad can do it, then anybody can do it. And they ended up having to pull the campaign because a lot of guys took offense at that of like, uh, excuse me, involved father here. I can change a diaper. We, we, you know, this is this is a new generation we're talking about. Now, these guys who are who are scared of changing diapers. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely in a time period where we're getting more and more pushback against ads and marketing that just depicts men as dopey and yeah. uninvolved and uninterested. And all they do is make the money. And I don't know how to take out the garbage. Who knows? Is that? Yeah, you actually see ads now of dads driving the kids places or dads doing the laundry or doing the dishes. Right. Yes. That it's not just mom at home doing it while the dad does other things. Right. And as far as I mean, as far as perceptions go, they're also very important when it comes to actual court situations, divorce, custody, because men used to assume that there was no way that they would get custody of their kids in a divorce. So they were generally just less likely to fight to get it, whether they were fighting the courts or just the mom. And this is coming from an article that The Atlantic did in February 2014 talking about this this rise in single dads. Yeah, this child custody issue is a huge factor, like we said, in this 
increasing, you know, a, a number of guys who are fighting for custody for their kids or just getting custody for their kids because sometimes, as, as the Atlantic author was talking about, it can be easier to just give someone sole custody and sometimes the mom doesn't want to have sole custody of the kids. But it took a long time for the courts to wrap their heads around this notion that dads can be equally good parents to kids as mothers can be. Because for a long time, the knee-jerk assumption was, oh, well, mothers are more fit for raising kids, so custody is going to go with the mom. Even in cases, if you have, say, an unwed couple and they split up, but they've got a, you know, she has the kid and she meets someone else, they want to get married, and then he, you know, the new guy wants to adopt the kid, the court would be like, okay, yeah, that's fine, because the unwed father, you know, he's like just kind of over there doing his stuff, and like the kid needs to stay with the mom no matter what. But then in 1972, you have the case Stanley v. Illinois that really started to, you know, started this domino effect of granting fathers more custody rights, because this was the first time the court considered the custodial rights of unmarried biological fathers. And it was this case of Joan and Peter Stanley, who lived together for 18 years. They had three kids together, never got married. Joan died and the state automatically gave the kids. It made the kids like wardens of the state because they just assumed, well, Peter Stanley, you're, you know, this unwed father. Certainly you can't be, you know, fit to raise children. He ended up fighting it and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court under the uh, Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment granted him custody of his kids, basically saying that they should only be taken away on proof of being unfit or neglectful. And this was really interpreted as a ruling of gender equality and was applied in a lot of other different custodial cases. But even still, I mean, that was 1972, and it still took a long time for states to gradually move away from that uh, automatically siding with the biological mother. So, for example, the Stanley versus Illinois ruling helped invalidate a provision in the New York domestic relations law that gave unwed mothers, but not fathers, the right to adopt their kids. So talk about, you know, an Mm -hmm. equality issue right there. So there was definitely a step in the right direction because... You know, fathers should be able to, I think, have a say in that kind of legal matter. Well, it doesn't even make sense to me. Like me now in 2014 as a 30 year old woman, it doesn't even make sense to me that you're the father and you're not the first choice on like being able to adopt kids or get. uh, Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But really, the ball got rolling in the early 2000s when many states began adopting legislation providing for joint physical custody, and which is different than just joint legal custody. These policies were supposed to encourage basically both parents to spend equal time with the kid. But interestingly, it seemed to spark a rise in single dads. And, and the perfect example that they give is from a study in jur- the Journal of Empirical Legal Studies in 2011 that looked at the state of Oregon, which in 1997 became one of the first states to formally enact joint parenting legislation. Before this happened, Oregon's custody law had favored joint legal custody, so the parents both have a say in decisions made about the child, but not joint physical custody. 
after the new law, Oregon courts defaulted to joint parenting, encouraging the child to spend half her time with dad and half with mom. But in Oregon, after this law, it ended up swaying way more towards dads. Why? What's going on? Because the changing laws are actually empowering dads to ask for more. It's not that, like, Oregon puts this law in effect and all of a sudden all these deadbeat moms are like, finally, I'm free. It's just that dads' perceptions of themselves, of the way things should be, of the way things can be, are starting to change. And so previously, you know, decades and decades before, Dad's just assumed like, okay, well, I'm just going to see him on the weekends or I'll see him every other weekend or whatever. When really they're now starting to think and they're backed by the courts and starting to think, oh, I can take more responsibility. I want to take more responsibility and I'm going to ask for it. Yeah. And not to say that it's always a legal and cheap cakewalk to get custody rights if you are, you know, a father. And I'm sure that we'll hear from some dads out there who have or maybe are going through these kinds of custody issues because there are still plenty of courts that do tend to side more with the mom. But there's definitely been so much progress since that Stanley v. Illinois um, decision. I mean, and even the fact, Caroline, that in contrast to our episode on single moms where we traced the history back centuries I mean, the history, at least legally speaking, in the U.S., kind of just starts in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to how significant of a change this is. Yeah, that goes beyond assuming. That goes beyond assuming that, like, oh, women are the better parents and mothers and kids should be with. that. That's a belief system. That's just, like, you believe that that's the way things are. And so I... It, it makes sense then in that context that it took so long to change. But now, like I said, being in 2014, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, well, it's like it, you saying that reminds me of one of the sources we were reading, uh, talking about how our ideas of motherhood and fatherhood in a lot of ways, sort of like gender, is very much a construct, like mm-hmm. influenced by culture and time and media, etc. So the good thing is, I feel like the, our, our construct, our fatherhood construct has, has only developed in a more positive way. And speaking again of single dads in particular, who, who are these guys, Caroline? Who are these who guys? Who are these fellas? Yeah, so that 2013 report that Pew released looking at the rise in single fathers, um, it is worth specifying who they were looking at. So fathers in that Pew report are 15 years or older. They are the head of their household. They are living with their own minor children, whether those children are biological, stepchildren, or adopted. Pew excluded fathers who are living in a household headed by someone else and fathers whose children are not living with them. And they broke down why these guys are single fathers. About half, 52%, are separated, divorced, widowed, or never married and are living without a cohabitating partner. However, some 41% are living with a non-marital partner. So again, there's that whole like murky area where, okay, you're technically legally a single dad, but you might have somebody living with you. Only 7% are married still, but living apart from their spouse with uh, custody of the kids. And when we compare... Fathers heading households solo versus fathers in two parent households. We do see similar patterns as we talked about in the single moms episode because single dads do tend to be younger, a little bit less educated, less financially well off and less likely to be white and also 
less likely to be in full-time jobs. So this also brings up then, you know, this issue of parental resources. And we'll get into some more comparisons in a minute. We definitely want to look at single moms versus single dads. There are a lot of statistics out there that we want to throw at you. But we'll get right into that after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah. And I'm with the disposable product. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old. And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have those stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. So we had just talked about how single fathers and single moms share some demographic similarities, but there are also some differences worth noting, aside from the fact that single fathers tend to be men, single mothers tend to be women. Beyond that, single fathers are more likely than single mothers to be living with a cohabitating partner, far likelier, actually, a 41% versus 16%, but... Those cohabitating guys tend to be younger. Single dads who are over 40 typically live with just the kids, a la Louis C.K., who, yes, we will talk about a little bit more later in the podcast. And also compared to single moms, single dads are more likely to be white and they're more likely to own their own home. Two thirds of single dads own their own home, while two thirds of single moms rent. And generally, single dads are older than single moms. 52% of them are under 40 compared to 62% of single moms, whereas 47% of them are over 40 compared to 38% of single moms. So there's some interesting demographic breakdowns. I mean, obviously, you know, single dads, same as single moms, are not a monolithic group, but... 
there are some some standout differences, particularly when it comes to this income issue, because single fathers, even though they tend to have less money, make less money, tend to uh, they're less likely to be in a full time job than married fathers. But compared to single mothers, they tend to have higher incomes and are far less likely to be living at or below the poverty line. Twenty four percent versus 43 percent of single moms living below the poverty line, which again brings up another contrast to our single moms issue where we spent a lot of time talking about government resources and kind of bridging the gap for single moms who need more assistance. Whereas, Caroline, I saw very little of the same kind of information targeted to dads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, And when you look at how much money these guys are bringing home every year, um, the average amount for a single dad household of three is a lot less than that of a married father. So the single dads tend to bring home about $40,000 a year, whereas married fathers tend to bring home about 70000 on average. But even though that's a lot lower than married fathers, it's more than single moms who bring home a adju- uh, median adjusted annual income for that three-person household of only $26,000. So how do these demographic differences, dad v. mom, how does all of this shake out for the kids? Are there differences between single dad and single mom parenting? Um, a lot of the studies that we looked at found that really when all the data shakes out, there's not a huge difference because when it comes to parenting, as is the same case if you talk about uh, LGBT parenting and how sexual orientation influences child outcomes, it's not so much gender, sexual orientation, those kinds of factors that influence child outcomes, but rather this issue of resources. Right, yeah. And so if you look at school, for instance, there have been a lot of studies on how kids of single parents fare at school. And a lot of studies have mainly shown that it's not the dad versus mom, man versus woman factor. It's more the socioeconomic factors and kind of having just one parent. So like when I was growing up, you know, I had mom there who was cooking dinner and making sure I got dressed. I had dad to help me with my math homework. You know, there was always one parent available to help drive me somewhere while the other took care of, I don't know, bills or work or whatever they had to do. Whether you're a man or a woman, if you're a single parent, I think as any single parent could attest, where's the other person to go help you do things? Like what they talked to one single dad, I think in the New York Times, who said, you know, as a single parent, if you if it's 10 o'clock at night and your five year old's in bed and you realize you don't have any milk for the next day, who's going to go out and get the milk? But anyway, I digress. So dogs should be better trained. Cats. Can a cat get that milk? Get a cat to go out and get milk or a Roomba. It's, yes, and they're perfect. Um, so there was a study in the Journal of Family Issues from 1994 that looked at data from the 1988 National Longitudinal Study. And so I realize that that's very dated, but there's still trends that are very relevant. They found that children from single father and single mother families perform about the same at school, but both are outperformed by children from two parent families. So when you look more closely at dad versus mom, They said that a lack of economic resources explains the school difficulties of kids from single mother families. And yes, that's from a long time ago, but it still makes sense in 2014 considering single moms make so much less than single dads. 
And they found also that a lack of interpersonal parental resources provides a more accurate description for why children from single father families do poorly in school. But maybe that's changing as our views of single dads now and their views of themselves change. Yeah, and sort of along these same lines, there was a more recent study that came out in 2010 in the Journal of Marriage and Family, which found that while there might be some small differences in parenting behaviors of single mothers and single fathers, these differences are often sensitive to demographic disparities and don't really translate to academic deficits for children in either family type. So it's not like, oh, well, if Susie's going to go live with dad, then her grades are going to plummet. So Susie should live with, with mom instead. Like as long as Susie's mom and dad are both as engaged as they can be, mm-hmm. she will do all right. Yeah. The, the kids will be all right. The kids, the kids are all right. Um, but there are benefits of dealing with dads, some psychologists and sociologists would argue. And, and one of those factors is play. W. Brad Wilcox, who's a sociologist at UVA and studies marriage and families, said that dads are actually more likely to roughhouse play than moms, which is a style of play that helps teach kids to control their bodies and their emotions. And I'm thinking, I'm like, my dad never roughhoused with me. But then again... I don't know. He was 40 when they had me, so maybe he was done with the roughhousing. Yeah, I was the last after a lot of kids. So I remember some roughhouse play when I was small, but I think by the time I got like a little bit older, he was probably worn out. No, I dad there was dad was constantly reinforcing how much his back hurt, so I there was no there were no more piggyback rides. But um, as far as play and exploration and all that stuff goes, fathers are also more likely to encourage their kids to embrace risk, both on the playground and in life. This influences, Wilcox says, the ambitions of children over the long run. Yeah, there have been so many studies in recent years really digging into the role of fatherhood and how it you know, interacts with child outcomes. Because I think for so long, people have just been focusing on Moms, and they found all of these, these findings that aren't terribly surprising, such as, you know, the thing about the roughhouse play, which makes sense because, you know, maybe guys are a little more just roughhouse in their play. I know that my brothers were more roughhouse than my sisters were. And then if you look at, you know, dads who believe in gender equality, no big surprise that their daughters tend to have higher career ambitions compared to dads who have more sexist beliefs. And in fact, though, this is important. Dad's gender beliefs were more influential on their daughters than their mom's beliefs. I'm, I think that's incredibly important. And I think it's interesting because, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing about, oh, we marry our dads or we look for men who are like our dads. Well, if your dad is more likely to support gender equality, believe in feminism and kind of instill those values in you, that says a lot. And that kind of paternal investment in terms of roughhouse play or talking about gender equality or disciplining, whatever it might be, that involvement also translates to better outcomes for kids in school as well. We just touched on school, but the National Center for Education Statistics has also found that father's involvement in school is associated with a higher likelihood of students getting mostly A's. And that's true, not just for two-parent families, but also in dad-only households. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think that's really important to point out that it's in both types of families in this circumstance that it is that fatherly involvement, knowing that your dad is invested, that you're more likely to get all A's. 
Um, there's also the involvement in schools. Students living in father-only families are the most likely of all students to have highly involved fathers. 46% of such students have fathers who are highly involved in their schools. So whether that's volunteering, being on the PTA, you know, coaching the soccer team. Well, that makes sense because they have, they don't have a Roomba who can go to, you know, the PTA meetings. And single dads are actually likelier than stepdads biological fathers with a stepmother in the home and two parent households, the two biological parent households to attend parent teacher conferences, school meetings, school events and volunteer. So single dads in a lot of ways are knocking it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I just wonder if, you know, we're falling back on those social norms and expectations, gender expectations when in two parent households, the the mom seizes control of the PTA responsibilities, whereas the dad's like, I'll just let you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's so easy. And, and I'm now straying off into anecdote for a moment. Um, it, it's kind of easy in a heterosexual couple to just fall back on sort of the the traditional gender roles that might have been modeled for us. Because in my family, mom, you know, my mom cooked dinner and did the dishes and my dad worked and mowed the lawn. And I now see in the patterns of my own life, I just need your kind of, well, I'll go to the grocery store. You stay home and change the light bulbs. Did this happen like two days ago? Maybe, Caroline. <laughs> it just happened. Well, no, and I mean, it's beyond anecdote. We we talked about this in our egalitarian household episode, looking at straight couples versus gay couples or same-sex versus opposite-sex couples and how even the most like super feminist women right, women's rights progressive couples once they get married, it's like, oh, I'm the man, you're the woman. Well, and especially, too, when it comes to that child rearing. I mean, we just cited the statistic a few minutes ago about how even though dads are doing more than ever before, <laughs> moms are still doing twice as much. Um, but there are some single dads who are doing it for themselves and by their own choice. We talked about single moms by choice in our single moms episode, these are women who are sort of going out of their way because they want to be moms. So they don't want to have the traditional. They don't want to find somebody, you know, and have to go through all of that. They're just like, oh, well, I will adopt. I will get, uh, you know, in vitro. I will have a baby because I just want to be a mom. And there are more and more guys who are doing this example. Ricky Martin of Living La Vida Loca fame adopted twins not too long ago, and he intends to raise them as a single dad. Yeah. He's a single dad by choice. Right. Living La Vida Loca. He is living La Vida dad. Yeah, d- different kind of loca these <laughs> days. Right. Um, but yeah, the New York Times, NPR, ABC News, they all looked into this whole rise of single father thing, but also the rise of single fathers by choice. And the New York Times reported that surrogacy agencies, adoption agencies, and father support groups are all reporting that they're seeing more single fathers by choice. A lot of these guys happen to be gay, but the the number of straight guys looking to go it alone are on the increase, too. Yeah, there was a statistic in that New York Times article that jumped out to me. Uh, they cited... 2008 data from the National Center for Health Statistics, which found that men age 18 to 44 are twice as likely as women of the same age group to have adopted a child. Now, that's partially explained by men being likelier to adopt stepchildren. But the report also found that 73,000 
never married men had also adopted a child. And that group includes those who are single fathers by choice. Right. And, you know, this whole time we've been talking a lot about changes in society, changes in perception of what's possible. And Steve Majors, who's the communications director for the same-sex advocacy group Family Equality Council, says it's the same thing for gay men. He says that a lot of young gay men once believed that living an openly gay life meant not having children, that you were either straight or that you were closeted and then you had a family or that you were just gay and single with no kids. But now, as you said, we're seeing this rise in different technology and whether that's IVF, whether they're adopting. But we're seeing alongside the rise of same sex marriage. We're also seeing a rise in gay men pioneering the use of reproductive technology to have kids. And we're also seeing a legal evolution as well. In addition to what we were talking about in terms of uh, men being able to get child custody, but also legal doors being opened for gay men to adopt children, because there are still some states that have bans against that. Um, but those dominoes are also starting to fall. Right. And there's people out there doing their part to, to combat those misconceptions. Brian Tessier started up 411-4DAD, a hotline for prospective single fathers. And Tessier was talking about how both gay and straight guys reach out to him a lot about the topic. And many believe that they can't adopt on their own. Many think that it's not even possible that legally you have to have some type of partner going into it with you. Yeah, and it was interesting uh, when ABC News was reporting on this, they talked to some agency professionals who said that if a child has been in, say, an abusive situation with his or her biological mother or has special needs, that a single dad in particular can be a really stabilizing factor. I mean, I think we a lot of times we hear about stories about how difficult it is for men to adopt, particularly now, actually, straight men, because they kind of get like a side eye of like, well, why would you want to adopt mm-hmm. a child on your own? But they can actually be attractive candidates for, you know, for for kids. Right. And they pointed out another ad- advantage of single adoptive dads, and that is that many adopt older boys, which is a group that's historically been difficult to place in homes for adoption. And speaking of adoption, of having kids, in the same way as there are trade-offs anytime you become a parent, no matter what your family structure looks like, same goes for single dads. Right. When you're looking at the financial aspects, for instance, um, women tend to struggle after a divorce with making ends meet. That's that's their main financial struggle. But for men after a divorce who gain custody of the kids, it's their careers that can end up kind of a mess. If you look at it from one perspective or simply different, I mean, it makes sense that you've got to sacrifice something. And with this change in society that we're seeing now of more men becoming single dads, we're also, and they're also, going to have to get used to the fact that maybe your career path has to change. A lot of women have changed their career paths, you know, for motherhood before. Yeah, talking about the quote-unquote mommy off-ramp that many women start to hit around our age, Caroline, of that question of like, well, do I want to have a kid? Do I want to have, you know, keep blazing forward with my career? Can I do both? How can I make that happen? That kind of lean in sort of stuff. And it was kind of funny, not funny, but a little chuckle worthy when I read an anecdote from one of these single dads talking about how frustrating it is for him when he has to leave work to take care of his kids. Sometimes he gets the stink eye from his coworkers because they think, oh, well, 
shouldn't a mom be doing that? And it's simply, though, the same kinds of issues that working moms have been dealing with since moms began working. Right. Yeah. There was a 2008 story that CNN Money did, and they talked to this guy named Dave King who got custody of his kids, four of them, and had to leave the job that basically had him on a direct career path to earning 500000 a year. Was and it was it podcasting? It, yeah. It was podcasting. Solo podcasting. Um, and he, you know, he's like, I love my kids more than anything. I'm, you know, I want to make them happy. But, he said, I have to fight my own anger and frustration when I think about the opportunities I had that were lost because they were palpable. He saw it right there in his future, and then he had to move and give it up to, like, have custody of his kids. And all I could think was, think think of all the women. Yeah, that's the only bone that I have to pick with one of two bones. We'll get to the second bone in a second. This bone that I have to pick with these kinds of stories is that it's this novel idea of making some kind of financial sacrifice for having kids. It's as though this decision has never had to been made by like, oh, I don't know, like 51 percent of the population. Uh, But also, though, one note on him, it wasn't just the issue of taking a job that, you know, didn't pay him half a million dollar in podcast royalties, but that the divorce and custody battle that ensued also cost around a quarter of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Like we said earlier, the, you know, the, it's not always a simple, easy cakewalk to working out these kinds of custody issues and becoming a single dad. It can also cost a pretty penny on top of, you know, having to like clothe and feed them and right. all that. And then you look at the stats that when two parents divorce and the dad gets custody, it's not nearly as common for the the ex-wife to have to pay any sort of child support to the dad, whereas, you know, it's very typical for the dad to have to pay for the mom. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely still a lot of imbalance in the legal system in terms of how that works out. Um, There's also some imbalance, too, it seems like, when it comes to dating and remarriage after becoming a single dad. It seems like from our single moms episode, a lot of women who are single moms remain single. I mean, probably half the reason why is because they don't even have time to date. Right. But it seems like single dads, and I don't want to say have an easier time of it, but are likelier to seek it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that goes back to the whole, I, I feel like we've talked about this in different ways on the podcast, but, you know, even when you're talking about marriage or whatever, that men are much more uncomfortable with being on their own. Whereas a woman, you know, if, if she, if her husband dies, for instance, like she's more likely to turn to her support group of friends and be okay. And so she's maybe not as eager to get back out there and get another partner. Whereas a man who is widowed, uh, is more likely to go out in search of a partner rather than friends. Right. Or to put it another way, Armin Broad, who's the author of The Single Father, A Dad's Guide to Parenting Without a Partner, says that single fathers have a tendency more, more so than single moms to feel incomplete without a partner in the house. So they risk rushing into a new relationship that may not be right. Well, and one interesting survey finding related to that is that when single dads do date, they seem to prefer dating women who also have children because there's that assumption that, well, they're going to be a little more understanding of their 
fatherly commitments that they might have to make. And also it probably gets the, over the hurdle of telling a woman you're on a date with that, oh, by the way, I have kids, probably makes that a little bit easier if she can also respond or he can respond. Oh, yeah, I also have children because that is, especially now that we are, you know, of, of this age that we are at, Caroline, it's, you know, if we were both like out in the dating pool, it would not be a wild notion for us to end up on a date with someone who is divorced and or has children. Right. Yeah. And there were there were some advice columns out there about how do you deal with that? How do you either how do you as a woman date a single dad or how do you as a single dad date people out there? Um, Because a lot of times there was one column I read where the woman was just like, you know, I couldn't handle it because there was a part of me that realized that his kid was always going to be his number one priority. And so that is something that also has to be considered. Well, and speaking of single dads and dating, I mentioned Louis C.K. earlier in the podcast. I mean, he has an entire show pretty much about dating as a single dad. And it's not just about dating, but he came to mind with all of this research, not just because um, he's hilarious and I'm a huge Louis C.K. fan and he is a single dad of two adorable daughters, but he jumped out in my mind in terms of, you know, we talked a lot about the perception of single dads and reading these trend pieces on single dads and particularly single dads by choice. They are treated so much differently in a lot of ways than single moms are because for someone like Louis C.K., like we love him because he is hilarious and is very insightful, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we also love him too because we particularly, and I'm just saying like we like culturally really gravitate to this idea of, you know, the sacrificial single dad who mm-hmm. is you know, doing it on his own. Whereas it seems like when we talk about single moms and maybe it's just because there's such an awful historical legacy of single moms being thrown under the bus. But I feel like even today, single moms get a bit of the short end of the stick. Right. In one of the New York Times pieces we read, the main picture with the story is of a man in a nice suit in his office with a playpen next to him and there's toys on his desk. And he is awesome. That's great. He's so great. But think about the side eye that a woman in the same position would get. A woman coming to work and having a playpen there with toys and a baby. Like, obviously, she's not dedicated to her job or whatever. Whereas it seems like the the social perception is that a man who has a playpen in his office is so dedicated. Yeah. And there's also that whole selfishness perception of single moms by choice Mm -hmm. where they're often painted as, you know, just like, I don't know, being almost like narcissists for their decisions. Whereas we think it's like really cool and not to say that invested single dads aren't laudable and really cool. I'm just saying, I wish that we could, our cultural conversation about single moms could be elevated in a similar way to single dads. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, we need to encourage men to be active and involved fathers. Study after study shows that that makes such a huge positive difference in kids' lives. But I just wonder why we tend to hold more esteem, it seems, for single dads and single moms. 
Well, I think that goes back to just cultural expectations. I wonder if it also goes back to Kramer versus Kramer, the 1973 drama mm-hmm. starring Dustin Hoffman about how he, you know, ends up Meryl Streep, his wife, ends up leaving. He has the kid alone. And it's this whole journey of him learning how to be a father. And I mean, it's really good and it's very poignant and all of that. But Meryl Streep is painted as this awful, selfish, deadbeat mom. And in a way, she kind of is because she abandons her family. Yes. But I feel like we still have that Kramer versus Kramer, like Dustin Hoffman, like running through the rainy streets of New York to get his son kind of ideal of the single dad. Yeah. Which, again, it's not bad, but it's like, why are they heroes and single moms aren't heroines? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head talking about just like the cultural legacy, the cultural nastiness with which women were single moms have always been treated and that single dads are so by comparison rare. But with this trend, with this rise in single fathers, I really think we're going to see a shift. I mean, if we're already seeing it with people getting mad about diaper advertisements, I think that there is some real movement here. Uh, not that I want to talk about movement and diapers in the same sentence, but I mean, I, I think that as things become more normal like this, it's going to be less like every single single dad is a hero and every single single mom is, you know, somebody to be pitied. I think there, I think we're going to see over the next, uh, maybe I'll be dead, but over the course of several generations, we're going to see like more acceptance of just people being people. Yeah. I mean, it, again, the most striking difference between researching for this episode and researching for the single moms episode is that the, the, the legacy of the unwed mother goes so far back in time. And for this one, we had to do some digging. Yeah. And right on back to 1972. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff before that, but it's mostly like just the panic of even the idea of men raising kids. So happy Father's Day, though. Happy belated Father's Day to all the single and not single dads out there. Um, we are very much pro single fathers and Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this trend continues to develop. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use Arches and Halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products, too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos Professional Brow Grooming. Be bold, be you. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. 
You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. But now single dads and folks who are being raised or have been raised by single dads, we especially want to hear from you on this topic. Momstuff at howstuffworks.com is our new email address. Or you can also tweet us at momstuffpodcast or send us a message over on Facebook. And we've got a couple messages to share with you right now. So I've got a letter here from Brenda in response to our episode, The Widowhood Effect. She writes, in 2008, I lost my husband, Kevin, to a rare cancer. I was 24 and he was 36. It was devastating and I felt completely alone and abandoned. We had been married only a year and a half and had gone through so much together. A long-distance relationship with me in Pennsylvania and him in Manitoba, U.S. immigration, financial woes, and just when we were getting on our feet, the cancer hit. It was all so very fast, and I felt like an outcast. I knew no young widows. They were all my grandmother's age. This past March, I released my first book titled Ebb from the Shoreline, Finding Cancer and Courage, about our love and cancer story. I want others impacted by cancer and caregivers to find hope in these big struggles of life. There's also one organization in particular that has helped me immensely in my loss, Soaring Spirits International, which hosts Camp Widow. I have spoken at several of their camps on blogging through grief, traveling alone, and also offer writing intensives. Connecting with widows in person at their camps has been crucial in my healing process. So we just wanted to share that information for any widows that might be listening. Again, that's called... Soaring Spirits International, which hosts Camp Widow. And thanks so much for writing, Brenda. Well, I have a letter here from Emily that's actually responding to a couple of different episodes we did. She said, I had to take a moment from drawing backgrounds for animation to send this email. It seems crazy how relevant some of your recent podcasts have been to my life. I used to work as a game tester for Disney Interactive. While I was there, the girls on the floor were very small in numbers, but all of the higher-up jobs were held by strong, amazing women. I had the pleasure of meeting one of Disney Animation's legends, Floyd Norman. He was one of the first black artists to work in Disney. He knew Walt Disney personally, and when I heard stories from him, it honestly made me rethink Walt Disney being racist or sexist. I feel nerd-ashamed for not being aware of any of the other women at Disney you name besides Mary Blair. I work at a small animation studio right now and do comic book work on the side. I'm not a member of the union, so that could account for low numbers. I've never really taken my gender into consideration. I just do what I love. When it comes to the job of animation, it seems most of the time jobs get called animation when they're actually more like background art or storyboarding. Also, when I was at Cartoon Network, my producer was a woman and went on to basically run the studio that makes Robot Chicken. So there's a plus for women in animation. With my comic work, personally, I've never experienced sexism. In fact, I've gotten nothing but respect. I'm sure that's not always the case. For one thing, I never dress up in cosplay. Personally, I see it as unprofessional for an artist to do so. I thought I might recommend a few very feminist-friendly comics. To name a few off the top of my head, 
Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn, Pretty Much Anything by Greg Rucka, and, well, Sandman by Neil Gaiman, of course. So thank you so much, Emily. It's incredible how much your life is falling into line with our podcast. Yes. Sounds like we are psychically, podcastically connected. Right. And to get podcastically connected with us, you can find all of our social media links, all of our blog posts, videos, and all 500 plus podcast episodes over at StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality? At our inability to get basic things done? At the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.